0: Oh, what's up, New City? Isn't that funny? That's good stuff, man. That's kind of how a lot of our uh, weddings go. Uh, I told you guys a little bit about that last week. I, I think we got some we got some new faces in here. And I hadn't had a got a chance to meet you, uh, my name is Casey, one of the one of the pastors here, serving alongside you, serving uh, the Lord. Ultimately, is what we uh, what we want to do. But that is kind of how I talked to you guys a little bit about my wedding day, uh, twenty seven years ago last week. Um, was uh, Judy and I had a wedding day and she had planned everything. She had done everything. She had like literally, I had no clue what was going on even up to the wedding day. I was like, just point me where I'm supposed to go. Tell me when and where and I'll do my thing. And I I had no clue. She was brilliant at organizing things. You guys, some of you know that. She just has an incredible gift to organize things and it's awesome. Um, And and so I love that. But ultimately, guys and I, I, like I, I talked about this last week, and I surprised, I did not get a lot of emails uh, in like protest of what I said last week. I, I, I truly revealed something that I said that I, I think God like, laid this, this truth bomb on me, and he said, "Teach this to the flock." of 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 your of the church here right and i said and i said god are you sure about this cuz this is kind of weird i mean this is unusual this is radical thought on this um and he said absolutely be bold be brave uh and be courageous have no fear but say this men and women are different ha <laughs> I know, man, they're weird. Like, oh really? You gotta be kidding me, right? Like this is a weird thing. Like, like we try to tend to think like we gotta come to the table as like like doing the same thing, thinking the same way, that kind of thing. Like we are different. We are in a lot of different ways. And so the interesting part about this is that Judy was more concerned about her wedding day. I was more concerned about the wedding night, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's not like all the guys and gals think a little bit differently. Not only that, but people are are different. And so one of the things that we're doing, yes, and we're going through this whole idea of what it means to be a, a happy couple, but if you are... Uh, single if you are widowed if you are divorced if you are this is also for you because this isn't just about marriage this is about what it really means to love god's way period right and so uh, like ultimately the scripture talks about over and over in the in the bible about what it means to love and it talks about relationships in general and it also talks about marriage a lot and so what we tend to do is we and I gave this illustration out last week. By the way, I do need uh, two or three lovely assistants. Anybody want to help me out for a second? Oh, come on now. Come on. Oh, you're lovely enough. You're lovely. Yes, you're lovely back there. I need you guys, if you would, to grab. There's some boxes uh, that are out on the, in the lobby there. If you would, grab those boxes and hand those out to everybody. Thank you guys very much because we're going to use those for a, a little bit. And so like we also, guys, I wanted you to be thinking, we've got a graphic for the Happy Couples conference that we've got going on. Last week I misspoke. Uh it was it's not 100 dollars per couple. It's fifty dollars per couple. I said it was fifty dollars per person. But here's what we get. We're gonna have a have a dinner uh on Friday night. We're gonna have a lunch on Sunday, and so this is March 9th and 10th here at our location. It is what's that? Oh, Saturday. I'm sorry. Yes. So lunch on Saturday. We got to think about they got the chili cookoff. It makes sense. And so it's on Friday night. We'll have dinner. On Saturday, we'll have lunch. It's twenty five dollars per person. And guys, here's what we get with that. We get five sessions with Mike Grubbs, who's a fantastic counselor, uh, marriage guy, church planner. Been in the been in the ministry world for a long time, and he has a really good perspective. Not trying to find what 's wrong with us, but trying to find and help us understand what 's right with God and help us get there really kind of a neat uh, neat thing we've got going on so sign up for that you could sign up online you could sign up on the app you could sign up in the bulletin uh, or the, the connect card uh, that's uh, attached to your bulletin all that kind of stuff and uh, and we'll go from there but it is a it is a great time to have a lot of what we 're teaching right now and learning to be culminated and that uh, marriage conference. So if you want to do that and again, like even though it's a happy couples conference, if you're single, like please, by all means feel free to 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 join and, and pay 25 bucks, you know, and, and do that because it is about learning. And so some of us haven't been married yet and we're engaged and that kind of thing. Some of us may want to get married again. All, all those kinds of things tie into what it truly means to to love. And so what we tend to do guys and we talked about this last week is that we tend to come to the table in any relationship, marriages especially, with hopes and dreams and desires, right? So we basically will have all kinds of hopes and dreams and desires about uh, what kind of sports we're going to uh, be involved in, right? What kind of, uh, how many kids we're going to have and and that kind of thing. Like, is it two, is it three, is it seven? <laughs> Where are the Cunninghams, right? Um Who's going to do the chores, right? What kind of movies are we going to watch? Dumb and Dumber being the greatest one of all time, of course. Everybody knows that, right? Cinematic masterpiece, of course. Um, Are we going to be baseball fans? Are our kids going to play baseball or football or whatnot? Um, Let's see. Oh, did y'all have a good uh, Valentine's Day last week? Yeah, that's pretty good, right? Well, so what'd they get me for Valentine's Day? That's my hopes and dreams and desires and expectations. And, and uh, oh, we're going to have one more kid, right? Oh, maybe not. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll plan on that. Uh, are we? Amen is right. Are we going to enjoy the Georgia Bulldogs and not the Tennessee Volunteers? Come on, baby. Everybody knows that, right? Come, come on, right? Uh, are we going to be, uh, how are we going to spend our time? Right. All that plays into like, are we going to be health food nuts or are we going to be eating junk food? And so what we tend to do is we put all these hopes and dreams and desires. Ha not that not so good. All right. That's a great movie, right? Like we put all these hopes and dreams and desires for our relationships, especially for our marriage. And what we'll do is we'll tend to take these and we'll say, All right, baby, uh, These are my hopes and my dreams and my desires. Uh, Here they are. They're now yours and they're your responsibility. And you have to make these hopes and these dreams and these desires come true for me. We realize that's completely unfair to the other person, isn't it? Because what it does is rather than being hopes and dreams and desires, it becomes expectations and shackles for the other person in the relationship for your spouse. In the marriage, right? And so what we do is we said, all right, this is now yours, baby love. You got to handle this, and this is what I expect. And it becomes a shackle, and it becomes a chain. It becomes a burden to the other person. And that's not fair to the other person, is it? And so many times we tend to come up with those things, and we don't realize what we're doing. But, we, but our culture kind of dictates that you're supposed to marry somebody that's good for you. And in essence, I understand that. But ultimately, our job as a married couple, our job in any relationship, according to the Word of God, is that we are to try to do whatever we can to meet the expectations and the dreams and the desires and the hopes of the other person. Philippians 2 3 comes to mind, which says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in everything consider others as better than yourself. That's different and it's radical from the world, from the world and the culture that we live in. That says, "Look out for number one." It's a dog eat dog world. Uh, you got to climb your way to the top and and do whatever you can to step on whoever you got to to make sure you, you get yours. And that's not how the world, or how the word is 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 written out. It's contrary and counter-cultural in a lot of ways. Expectations that are burdened to somebody else is the strong belief that something will happen or will be the case in the future for all of us we have hopes and dreams and desires we learned about this last week that are learned by what we have seen and heard now hopes and dreams and desires are not evil they're not wrong, they're not th- th- something you've got to squash, you don't have to become something that you're not in order to help somebody else become something that they are, that kind of thing. We need to understand those are how God has made us, but we cannot just hand it to somebody and make them burdened with our hopes, dreams, and desires, and make them think, oh, if you don't satisfy those, I'm going to be disappointed, I'm going to be unhappy, or I'm going to leave, or I'm going to try to coerce you, or I'm going to try to make you like Georgia Bulldogs. Because Tennessee volunteers aren't no good, right? I mean, that's, everybody, oh, no, never mind. It was a little bit of a personal thing just happened. Sorry about that. Back to reality, right? For many of us, hopes, dreams, and desires are what we've experienced. And things that we've, like, what we'll try to do with our hopes and dreams and desires in essence, expectations for the other person is we'll bring this to the other party and we'll give this to the other person. We'll say, all right, sweetheart, here's the deal. We're going to either try to avoid something. We're never going to do this in our family or in our, our, our marriage because uh, uh, I'll never let that happen to our kids or I'll never, do, all that kind of stuff. Or we'll try to recreate something. All right, sweetheart, I grew up in this environment and it was awesome and you're going to love it too. And we're going to do that, right? And, and it becomes a burden and a shackle and an expectation for the other person. Totally unfair, but that's how we're taught. Is it any wonder, my brothers and sisters, that in America, that we are taught from the time we're in kindergarten to college... To be a productive member of society, to learn what it means to work, to learn what it means to have skills, to learn what, even even to like learn what it means to be a, a productive member in your household, there are classes about how to cook and how to do these different things like like yeah, how do we actually function in the in the workplace and become good stewards and good neighbors and good employees and good uh, uh, like people, citizens, if you will. We do all that kind of stuff from, from kindergarten to college, and as a result, our unemployment rate is 4.1%, which is amazing. In other words, 96% of all the eligible workforce is working. Hallelujah, that's awesome. But the divorce rate is 50%. No wonder, Right? No wonder. We don't learn what it means to be a spouse. We don't learn what it means to be a husband. We don't learn what it means to be a wife. We don't learn what it means to actually have a relationship growing up. We learn how to be productive in society and make sure things function right. It's backwards. And here's the reason why we're going into this. If it does not happen in the church, guys, it will not happen. It's up to us. Amen. I've said this before. The church is the last Hope of the world. It really is. Everybody's talking about this stuff with, you know, the shootings in the schools. I had another one this week, a tragic one, horrible stuff. Everybody wants to try to do this and that and try to break, make new laws and take away guns and get new processes. Guys, without Jesus, it's meaningless. Amen? That's why we are here. Somebody texted me, man, this is a jacked up world. and said, that's why we are here. Because we have got to be the light of the world. It doesn't, if it doesn't happen with us, it won't. And it begins with me and how I approach relationships and love and how I approach marriage. See, we're gonna either like do these kinds of things right, or we're gonna like be a poor example to the rest of the world. Nobody's gonna wanna be what we are. So we've got to have what, what what Mike Grubbs calls exemplary marriages, meaning that and exemplary relationships and exemplary love, meaning people like. Man, you guys really love each other a lot. How do you do that? Tell me about that. So we can be an example, not just you know, not just somebody that that does the different things, right? When we exchange boxes, I give this to Judy, she gives hers to mine, right? When we exchange boxes like that, it becomes, a, 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 in essence, a debt-debtor relationship, meaning that you owe me this, I owe you that. And nobody ever has intimacy when somebody owes them something. Nobody ever has a, a, a thankfulness when I'm given what I'm owed. Well, yeah, I gave it to me. I gave you my box of expectations. Happy couples, however, know the answer to this following questions: What does he owe me? What does she owe me? The answer is nothing. When I understand that Judy doesn't owe me anything, when Judy understands that I don't owe her anything, but when Judy says, I'm going to try to make his desires and hopes and dreams come true, and I say, I'm going to try to make her hopes and desires and dreams come true, except for Tennessee volunteers. um, (laughs) Too much personal stuff then what happens in our marriage, what happens in our relationships, what happens, guys? What happens is that there's this incredible love and bond that I'm trying to make her dreams come true. She's trying to make my dreams come true. Guys, and it's beautiful. It's peaceful. There's joy. You want to go home. You don't want to stop by the bar and have a few drinks because you can't stand being home because there's nothing but nagging going on and all this, right? Amen? All of a sudden you don't dread your husband coming home or you don't dread seeing your husband again at the house because, man, I know he's just going to do this and that. He's going to drive me crazy. All of a sudden he's looking out for you. You're looking out for him and it's beautiful. And we're going to show here in a second that that is absolutely what we need in the church. When I realize I owe Judy everything, it's incredible. Christian marriages are built, and you can fill this out in your bulletin too, on a submission competition. Meaning when I can figure out, like, okay, this is the only thing we're going to compete in. How much can I submit more than you, right, to, to your needs and my, like, it's an awesome. That's a, think about that. Scriptures talk about this over, over and over. Jesus at the Last Supper said something very radical. In John 13, he said something that only God is supposed to say. Only God is supposed to say this. I give you a new command. Watch this. John 13, where does it say? John thirteen thirty four. 34. I give you a new command. Love one another. Now, this is kind of, yeah, we're supposed to love one another. Jesus, over and over, even when he first came out in the, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, said some radical stuff. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you. You've heard it said, do not commit murder, but I tell you. He started expounding on and clarifying the scriptures, and people aren't supposed to do that unless they're God. Oh, you can give commentary? Yes. You can give teachings? Yes. But to say, hey, I'm adding something? Only God can do that. Here's Jesus saying, in essence, I'm God. I give you a new command, love one another just as I have loved you, You must also love one another by this, not by the amount of Scripture that you know, not by your church attendance, not by how much you study, not by how much you read, not by how many quiet times you have, not by how much you pray. He says, by this, that you love one another, people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus could have gone to Matthew and say, Hey, Matthew, remember how jacked up, messed up you were when I found you? That that nobody liked you. Nobody, your family rejected you. The society hated you because of your occupation as a tax collector. But I redeemed, like I brought you in anyway and never even held it over your head, right? He could have said something like that. He could have said to Nathaniel, Hey, Nathaniel, remember how you. Lord we're, we're dissing my hometown can anything good come from nazareth remember that daniel remember he said that now he could have said all that stuff but in essence what he said i give you grace upon grace upon grace upon grace and that's how i love he even goes further right like listen to what he says he could have done all that stuff and interestingly enough and i found out a guy named andy stanley if you guys you guys know who he is great pastor out of atlanta he said this, he said that every New Testament imperative command, meaning that this is what you do after the resurrection of Jesus has to do with loving the way God loves us, loving through, as Christ has loved us, we are to love one another. Every single one blew my mind. I was like, man, that's incredible. Everything the Apostle Paul takes, this, like, writes down, and he takes this big idea and applies it to all of his letters and every kind of relationships, including Marriage. In Ephesians four, we're actually going to next month go into Ephesians four deeply when it talks about there's one faith, one body, one love, one baptism, one God. All those kinds of things. We want to talk about those how we look at those things for Scripture. And He does all those things. And in Ephesians five, He says, "This is how you treat each other, church, based on those things, how as Christ has loved us, we also love one another." And in five Ephesians five twenty one, He says, "Submitting." to one another in the fear of Christ. And this is to keep this word this idea of submitting because we have so misunderstood what it is. In Ephesians 5:22, he goes on, and what he does, he says, here's the church submitting to one another in Christ, then he starts talking about marriage, then he starts talking about the church again. So there's this church sandwich in the middle of marriage, meaning that marriage and all, how like how we view that is so critical for the way the church functions. Amen. Wow. Ephesians 5, 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. And all the husbands in the house said, y'all scared, man. Baby, I ain't saying amen. I ain't going to say it. I like that, man. It's a submission competition, right? I ain't saying it because I know what you're going to say when we get in the car. I love it. Here's the thing. A lot of guys treat it that way. You read that one verse that, so, baby, you got to do whatever I tell you to do, and it has nothing to do with that. Go back to the first, the, the scripture before in, in, in verse 21. It says, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. In the next verse, that word submit is added in the English. It is not in the original Greek. It should say, wives, to your own husbands as to the Lord. In a matter of fact, all the words of submission following this passage are not in the original Greek it doesn't mean we don't but it means it's added in the in the English and understand that right so wives to your own husbands as to the Lord now here's the thing about that yes submitting to one another wives to your own husbands as to the Lord in that culture 2,000 years ago the original like like Roman Empire this first century church everybody looked at each other we're like well yeah In the first century, in the Roman Empire, women were considered second-class citizens. Women were considered property of the husbands. Women were considered not even allowed to give testimony in court. So, of course, they're going to submit to the man. I mean, that's just what they do, right? It even goes on. It's like that's kind of a duh statement in the early church. Here's what they continue. So, now, as the church submits to Christ, so wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands... Here's the deal. Let me pause for a second. Amen is right. Let me pause for a second. Three verses for the ladies. A whole bunch of verses for the guys. Guys, here's the deal. This is not a challenge and a command to the women. They were already doing that. This is going to be a challenge to the men to lead in a certain way and love in a certain way that God has loved us. And the challenge and the emphasis is on the guys. Guys. As Adam was approached in the garden after the fall, he was like, God didn't go to Eve and say, Hey, Eve, why did you eat that fruit? He went to Adam and says, Adam, where are you at? Adam was right there when it all happened. This is a challenge to men. Amen? Listen to what we say. Husbands, love your wives. What, Paul? Paul, are you kidding me? They're, they're, wait, love our wives? Like, yeah, I mean, I'll, I guess we can take care of them and stuff. I mean, we gotta like, that's our property, right? But, but the, the whole world's going to think we're crazy if we do. If you, are you saying we've got to love our wives? Oh, he goes on. Fellas, we're in trouble, right? He's about to lay down a bunch of stuff. Just as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her to make her holy. Man, the dudes in the house probably were like, Paul, you're crazy. You have gone out of your mind. That didn't end well for Jesus. Are you telling me that we've got to be able to willing to be dying for our wives? That's nuts. And he ain't done. To make her holy. Cleansing her with the washing of the water, of water by the word. He did this to present the Say it church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or anything like that, but holy and blameless. And this word blameless is actually means a word for unaccused so how many people are so ashamed about what they're gonna be presented to when they get to see the maker of makers and the holy of holies all of a sudden they're gonna have to give an account for absolutely everything they've ever done they're gonna have to answer for the cuss word and the drunkenness and the addiction and the pornography and all the different things and they're gonna have to answer for that and they're gonna be sweating like crazy oh please let me in and jesus is saying you are covered and unaccused wow we get to go boldly before him, man, as Christ's followers, covered by his blood. We go, yes, man. And he said, okay, you're one of his, you're in. Revelation says so many times, well, yeah, but it says the dead will be judged, but we're alive in Christ. Wow. Right? Because he's going to give the punishment to those who are dead, and he's going to give everlasting life to those who are believers. Man, that's beautiful. That's the confidence we can have but we've got to be exemplary and following this now we got to that's when we start talking about kingdom come your will be done are we actually doing something about it like we actually following the pattern that Christ has laid out for us yes and we have got to be able to do this in our homes we've got to be able to do this in our relationships we've got to be able to do this in our marriages in the same way Husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. This is getting crazy, Paul. Are you telling me that I've got to love her like myself? He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No, uh, uh, sorry, wrote that. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. But, Paul, that didn't end very good, for Jesus did it. Like, I'm thinking, oh, man. That's the radical departure from the culture of the day, where we must be a willing to provide, care for, and even die for our wise men in the church. No one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it as Christ does for the church since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh, not just sexual union, which is what we're talking about here, but also one in each other. Casey and Judy are not Casey and Judy. Casey and Judy are, someone said in the second service, cootie, right? I mean, it's like God just looks at us, man. He's like, this is one. I don't look at two separate people. You're joined together. You're one. So we have, in essence, spiritually, no choice but to submit to one another and compete how much we can submit to one another. She looking out for me, look at her looking out for me, and so we're glorifying God together. This is the, the challenge, and men, we have to lead in this. Because it's harder for us to lead. We're not emotionally, naturally, a lot of us, available as the ladies are. But at the same time, we've got to step into this. I remember teaching... Sunday school, by the way, if you don't know, Jim Harris in the first service, in the 845 service, um, was my Sunday school teacher for a long, quite a long time at an old church, years and years and years ago. A lot of what you're seeing is his fault, so if you've got any problems, I'll give you his number. Um, but ultimately, like, like we, I was teaching Sunday school one time, when, and I was teaching through Ephesians 5, right? And I was teaching through Ephesians 5. And I was going through this whole idea, and as soon as I said, "Wives submit to your husbands," I had these two ladies go time out. They were sisters, and they were, and they both had some guys that they were dating that really weren't all that cool, right? They were like, "Oh, wait, 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 wait! Time out. Um, are you telling me that I'm supposed to submit to my husband?" Now I hadn't gotten to the rest of the part yet, but I said, "Well, well yeah." I said, what's what's wrong with that? She goes, "Well, I just have a problem with that. That's ancient, old stuff. That's old-fashioned thinking. Uh, we're in an age where where we could take care of ourselves and that kind of thing." I said, "Well, yeah, but that's that's true. But ultimately, we got to understand that 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 this is a the pattern of what Jesus, how Jesus has loved us. There's this submission to one another." And I said, "Why are you so struggling with that? I think it's wrong for a woman to have to submit to a man." And so I asked them. let me ask you a question very quickly. If if you have a husband that you're married to, if you have a husband that you're married to that is truly, genuinely filled with the Holy Spirit, that is reading his Bible on a daily basis, that, that asks God to guide him in every decision he ever makes, On top of that, he treats you like the queen that you deserve to be treated, provides for you, protects you, and is willing to die for you. Would you have a problem submitting to that man? And you know what they both said? Nope. That'd be awesome. So in essence, it's not the scriptures that people have a problem with. It's the kind of man you have in your life that you're thinking about possibly having to submit to someday. And they were like, yeah, I guess so. Because the scripture said love is. Your wives, as Christ loved the church, he protects, he provides, he dies for us and redeems us and comes back for us at the end of the age. That's beautiful. That's why marriage and relationships and how we approach them are so critically important to the church. I don't lose sleep over finances. I don't lose sleep over operational excellence. I don't lose sleep over any of those things in the church. God has given me great responsibility, I get that, but I don't lose sleep over the of that stuff. God, those things are yours. What I could potentially lose sleep over and sweat over and toss and turn over is if we ever lose our love for one another and our mutual submission to one another. Because what we talked about last summer is like, will it be us? that reaches the people for this city and for the surrounding area, will it be us that answers the call, whom shall I send, and it is us, and we say, yes, Lord, we will send it. Guys, if the reputation of our church goes out, and we people say, yeah, you guys are all jacked up and messed up and fighting and splinting and all that kind of stuff, all the politics in the church, why would I want to be a part of that crap? Why would anybody join? Why would anybody want to know Jesus, right? But when we love one another and we're tight and we're submitting to one another and you're looking out for me and I'm looking out for you and we've got hundreds of people looking out for one another, people want to join and be a part of that. Amen? Wow. And it starts at home. And it starts with a decision we make in our own lives to ultimately submit to, to the Lord. The person that introduced the idea of equality for women was Jesus. The only man, the only person with authority in all of history to come out and say, you know what, men and women are equal. That's why women flocked to him because they were considered here, men were considered here, and Jesus said, oh, I don't think so, guys. And women flocked to him, not because he was, you know, charismatic, not because of any of that stuff, because for the first time, someone with authority said, you know what, They're just as good as anybody else. And he treated them that way. Women followed him and and gave money to him and and helped his ministry and in many ways led in his ministry. He argued for the value of women. He argued for the worth of women. Ladies, if you're into like we've got to be equality and you're fighting and marching and that kind of stuff, like you ought to be following Jesus with a fever pitch because he's the one that came up with that. When everybody else says, you know what, you're property. He said, I don't think so. You are of value. It's no wonder why women flocked to him. Jesus is the first person with authority to give, give women equality and respect. It's an amazing thing. And we're going to finish with this. We're going to close with this. And I want to remind us of the homework we had from last week. That I asked you guys to spend 35 seconds a day. I know it's crazy. We got lives, pal. Reading scripture. Matthew 22. Should be up on the screen there. Matthew 22, starting in verse 34. And this is after Jesus had been teaching about the eternality of marriage and the eternal perspective we're to have. It says, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And he said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And listen to what he says next. The second is like it. In essence, you can't separate the two. One you can't have without the other. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands, guys. There's no closer neighbor than the spouse sleeping next to you. So I asked you guys to read that. I pray that you did. I also asked you to take your box home. I asked you to write hopes, desires, and dreams on the box, expectations on the other side, that scripture on the top, and then I asked you to ask yourself and have a conversation with yourself this week. Say, "What's in my box?" What am I bringing to the table that I'm expecting? What are my desires and dreams and and hopes that I have for my marriage and my relationships? And then I asked you to consider and really ask God, have I given this to someone else? Have I said, baby, they're yours. It's your responsibility. Now, you got to take this and make this happen in my life. This week, we're going to do something about it. Are you ready for this? You ready for this? Because I ain't going to tell you if you ain't ready. You ready? You ready for me to tell you? This is what we're going to do. We're going to put the homework from last week in action. And this is going to be something very scary for a lot of you, especially the dudes in the house. I want you to ask the other person, have I handed this box to you to make my hopes and my desires and my dreams come true? Have I shackled you with this? Have I put this burden on you that doesn't need to be on you? And here's what I want you to do. Second question is I want you to ask the other person, your spouse, the one you're engaged to be married with, or someone, maybe even your children. What's in your box? And then you know what I want you to do when you ask those two questions? Shut up. I want you to close the pie hole for a second. Open up the cartilage on the side of your noggin and actually listen. But Casey, you don't understand, man. She's going to go crazy. You, been, you mean we've been married 28 years and you ain't done this, 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 this? Whatever. Shut up and listen. Just let it go. This is where the rubber's going to meet the road and we actually start doing this the way God said. Now, ladies, you're going to have a probably a surprise because you're going to ask your husband or your spouse or your guy that you're in a relationship with. If it's a friendship or even like that, you're going to even say to the guy, what's in your box? You know what he's going to say? Nothing. Is there game on or anything like that? Because This is getting weird. <laughs> like, guys, answer the question. And so when we do that, and ladies, let him talk, Right? Fellas, this might be scary. Ladies, you might be like, hallelujah, we get to talk about relationship, right? Like, who knows? I'm being a little sexist here on purpose. But this is the I'm all in question in our marriage. This is the I'm all in question in our relationships. This is I'm about to listen to what you have to say. And I'm not only that, I'm going to do what I can to make those dreams, those desires, those hopes come true for you. The less self-help or less self-people are the happiest people, and the less self-couples are the happiest couples. Happy couples put each other first by going first in an effort to be last. And that's what the Scriptures say. Amen? In addition to the homework that I'm going to give you, which may take some time, Rather than spending 35 seconds in Scripture, I'm going to ask you to triple that amount and spend one minute and 34 seconds in Scripture every day this week. Come on, man, we got lives. I get it. But I want you to read Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. You can put that on your box as well. Read that every day along with the other Scripture. Ooh, that's almost two whole minutes. I'm being a little sarcastic, but that's how some people approach this. It might take you longer than that just to find your Bibles, all <laughs> right, than to actually read it. I always say this all the time, TGFG, thank God for Google. You can read it on your phone, however you do it, but do it that way. Couples, people, brothers and sisters, has this been helpful to you today? And I'm telling you, when we do this His way, when we love His way, there ain't no stopping the kingdom from coming. If we want to pray for it, let's do it. Let's love the way He said Father, we love you, and we are amazed by you and thankful for you thankful for everything you have done. Um, You are the one that set love in motion. You are the one that is love. God, I've said this before. You are not a loving God. You are love. There's a big difference. Being loving means having to try to love somebody. Lord, you are the epitome of love. It is you that is love. May we start stepping into that, what that means for our spouses, for our relationships, for our friendships, for our families, for the church. It is in your son's precious and holy and awesome and amazing name we pray. Thank you, Lord, for setting the example, of Jesus. Hey, everybody said.